1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. We've been dealing with who we are and where we are in Christ on Sunday mornings. And this series is four things we must confess. As we've learned, God's word, when spoken, has creative power. God framed this world and the universe with his words, and you and I have been created in the image of God. He has given dominion to us. And so our words have power, and the word of God in our mouth, spoken from our lips, has power. And so as we've learned, we frame our world by the words that we speak. And we can speak life to our lives, or we can speak death to our lives. We frame our world by the words that we speak. As we've learned to live a victorious Christian life, you must know and confess and act like who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ, what you possess in Christ, and what you can do in Christ Jesus. As we've learned, according to God's word, you are everything that the Bible says you are, regardless of whether or not you are presently experiencing all of God's word in your life and in your circumstances. So part of what we have to do is hear what the word says, open up our Bibles, find out what the word says, and walk in the light of who we are in Christ. As we learn, the first thing we must confess is who we are in Christ, and the second thing we must confess is where we are in Christ, and where are we in Christ. The Bible tells us that we have been crucified with Christ. Say, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I know out there in this culture, which is, uh, it's crazy, it's wicked, so weak, and even in the church culture in America, things are very wicked and things are very weak. No one wants to call sin, sin anymore. But this is part of living a life of victory in Christ is realizing the old you and everything that was a part of that old man, that old woman's life has been crucified and has been put to death with Christ Jesus. And you're now to live as a new you in Christ. Where are we in Christ? Well, the Bible says that we died with Christ. Say, I died with Christ. Say, the old me 
whoever that was, died with Christ. And that, that's good news. The old is gone, but it gets better than that. The Bible says the new has come. Where are we in Christ? The Bible says that we have been raised with Christ. Say, I have been raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. And then as we've been learning, we have ascended with Christ. We have ascended with Christ. Say, I have ascended with Christ. And a lot of believers, they don't, they don't realize this. They don't know this. And even if they, they read about it periodically when they do their devotional reading and they're in, the, they're in the epistles of the Apostle Paul and they read about the fact that we are ascended with Christ, they don't really walk in the light of that. Ephesians 1 and verse 21, Paul tells us that Christ has been seated far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 4, Paul writes, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. He made us alive in Christ. Even when we are dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us. Say, seated us. So that includes all of us. That includes every believer. That doesn't just include ministers. It doesn't just include those who are, you might say, are really spiritual. This is for every believer. God raised us. Say, he raised me. So God raised us up with Christ and he seated us. Say, he seated me with him. That's with the Father in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Say, I am seated with the Father in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, this isn't me, Austin, telling you this. This is from the Word of God. We have ascended with Christ, and we are seated together with Christ in the heavenly realms. The Bible tells us that is a place of authority, dominion, and power. That is a place of victory. So as we've learned in Christ, we already have the victory. And in our lives, in our homes, in our circumstances, in our families, in our finances, we are to enforce the victory that we already have. We're not trying to get the victory. We're not trying to obtain the victory. In Christ, we have the victory. And we are to enforce the victory we already have in Christ. And this requires that we know and use the authority that has been delegated to us. Look over at Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, beginning in verse 18. And this is when the 72, they came back to Jesus and they reported that when they had commanded that devils leave, that they leave, and they were all excited. But Jesus said, verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And so he was telling them, you think that's great. And the Bible says, you go to John's gospel, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So he has always been. And so he was telling them, you think that's exciting. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority. And the word for authority is exousia, which means right, privilege, and authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Say, I have been given authority to overcome 
all the power of the enemy. Say, nothing will harm me. But see, we've got to see that with our own eyes from the Word of God. We've got to believe it. We've got to confess it. We have to act like it is so in our lives. That we have been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing, doesn't matter what it is. The plots and the schemes of wicked men and women, doesn't matter what it is. A disease, a virus, nothing will harm us. So we've got to believe it and we've got to live like that is so in our lives. And as we've learned, authority, exousia, trumps power and ability. Exousia, authority, trumps power and ability. You know, every time we get to October, Hollywood, and now all the streaming media companies, Netflix, Hulu, they, they roll out all the scary horror movies. And a lot of them glorify Satan and glorify the, the power of the devil. You know, and dogs foaming at the mouth and people foaming at the mouth and a haunted house that sucks you in or whatever it is. It, it doesn't matter what kind of display Satan might put on. We have been given delegated authority, and authority trumps power every single time. And if you'll see this from the Word of God, it'll help you in your prayer life. It'll help you in your confession of the Word of God. There are believers, and by the way they act, you know that they believe that prayer doesn't really work, and confession doesn't really work unless you get really emotional that prayer and the words you're praying don't really work as if unless you get really emotional unless you work up a sweat that God can't hear you unless you scream or shout at him well the word of God tells us otherwise some of the most powerful prayers confessions and commands in the word of God are incredibly short spoken by men and women including our Savior himself, Jesus Christ, who understood the power of authority. Authority trumps power. Say authority, authority. Trumps, trumps, exceeds Exceed. ability and power. So it doesn't matter what display Satan put on, Satan might put on. We have the authority in Christ Jesus to say go in the name of Jesus, to command the circumstances to change in the name of Jesus doesn't matter what the situation is, the authority that we have in Christ trumps ability and power. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, in the Great Commission, which is for every believer, Jesus said, says he came to them and said, all authority, all exousia, all right, all privilege, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So if you think about it, since then, since that commission, since Jesus, our Lord, ascended into heaven, for more than 2,000 years, he has been seated at the right hand of Father God. So how does the kingdom of God accomplish anything on planet Earth? Well, as we've learned what God does in our lives, God wants to do through our lives. R.W. Schambach said what God has done in your life, he wants to do through your life. And so in our lives, we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. You know, so often we're waiting on God 
but God is waiting on us. We have to do something about it. Tell your neighbor, say, you do something about it. Tell your other neighbor, say, you do something about it. And so when the negative circumstance shows up, or the enemy shows up, or the devil shows up, we often make a critical mistake when we're waiting upon God. And don't misunderstand me. There are times and seasons of life where we are to wait upon the Lord for guidance, for direction. But if it's the devil, which is stealing, killing, and destroying, you don't need to wait upon the Lord. You need to take action and faith upon the Word of God, and you need to drive the devil out of your life and out of your circumstances. You know, if I came home, and our children are still younger, but if I came home and there was something on the, the TV that I didn't want on the TV, I would, as the father... As, as the one paying the bills, I would take the remote control and say, not in this house. I don't need to pray about it. Don't need to fast about it. Don't need to ask the Lord what to do about it. We have been given delegated authority. You've heard me tell the story how a long time ago, back in the 80s, when my parents had just pioneered the church, there was a family that came to my father, and they're all distraught over the rebellious attitude of their teenager, pastor come to our house, pastor, pray. And it, you know, pray, it's going to work better if you pray in his room. Well, we, we've learned since then that prayer works no matter where we are. Amen. But my father, the, the, young, the early days, younger, went to their house, went in the room. Well, the, the room was like a shrine to Satan. Here's your sign. And all the posters and the heavy metal and all of that, wicked music, you got to decide. You're going to take authority in your own life, your own home, your own family, and drive what is evil, drive what is unrighteous out, drive the devil out of your life and out of your circumstances. Point at yourself and say, I have the authority. I have the authority. We, we, we have all been deputized by the Lord Jesus Christ to drive the devil out of our life and out of our circumstances. But you've got to take the initiative in your own life. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus told them, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind. Some translations say forbid. Whatever you bind or forbid on earth will be bound or forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose or permit and on earth will be loosed or permitted in heaven. So a lot of times we're, we're waiting on the Lord and we're wondering why this is going on. We're wondering why that's going on. Well, when God's perspective is we have been delegated authority and we ought to do something about it. We ought to handle it. We ought to pray. We ought to confess. We ought to exercise our divine authority and our divine rights in Christ and drive the devil out of our life, out of our circumstances, out of our home, out of our children's lives, out of our family. Say, I have the authority. Smile at your neighbor and tell them you have the authority. Smile at your other neighbor and tell them you have the authority. So we have to exercise and walk in the authority that has been delegated to us. We have his authority. And if that's the case, we have to wonder then, why are we sick in our physical bodies? We have his authority. So why are we defeated? We have his authority. So why are we living in fear or worry? We have his authority. So why do situations go on unchanged? He has delegated his authority to us. And in our lives, we are now divine instruments to destroy the works of the devil. Mark 16. Mark 16, beginning in verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. 
signs ought to follow every believer, not just those that are in full-time ministry, not just those that are professional Christians. Signs should follow every believer. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In whose name? In whose name? You'll get to barbecue soon enough. Amen. I know you're thinking about pie and ice cream and all that good stuff. Signs follow who? Them that believe. And in whose name? The name of Jesus. And this is why in our culture, there's all this pressure not to pray in the name of Jesus. You know, when uh, the, the term began for uh, who was the previous mayor, you know, he came here to the church, and my dad doesn't do that, so I, I met with him and was kind and was gracious, and he met with me and with the church's business administrator, and there, there were times that we went, one time in particular, we went to meet with him in his office at City Hall, but they're, they're not going to send me an email and ask me to come open City Hall with prayer. And why is that? I'm going to pray in whose name? the name of Jesus. And it's amazing how our culture has changed so quickly. I I was horrified about two years ago when we took our family to the stock show in Fort Worth and they got a seminary student from Bright Divinity, which is TCU Seminary in Fort Worth to pray. But it was one of those, oh, generic one out there. We don't even know if we believe that you're really real. But if you're out there somewhere, it's generic, 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 man, woman, X, Y, Z. See, why don't they just going to get a preacher that believes the Bible and say, Father God, we're grateful to have the opportunity to be here. We're thankful for our freedoms and our liberties. We pray that this event would go well, that no one would get injured in the name of Jesus. See, they don't want that prayer because the name of Jesus has authority and the name of Jesus has power. It's sad how watered down our culture has become. You know, there was a time, maybe 50 years ago, when Christianity Today was a decent publication. But now it's just a liberal magazine. They need to take the name Christianity off it. But there was an article they published last year encouraging Christians to no longer pray over their food. I mean, that's how ridiculous things are becoming in church society out there. But when we go to eat with our families, when we go to eat in a restaurant, we ought not feel bad about holding hands, bowing our heads, and praying in whose name? The name of Jesus. His name is the name that is above every name. His name is the name that has authority and power. His name is the name, not my name, not your name. His name is the name that heaven backs up. And the Bible tells us that regardless of what anyone believes or says, there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. So he said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name, in the name of Jesus. They will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So signs follow them that believe. And if I believe, and if you believe, then signs should follow us. If I believe, signs should follow me. And if you believe, signs should follow you. Like this wonderful lady who wrote in, sharing the truth about prayer from the word of God with a friend. Signs should follow them that believe. Jesus said in my name, 
they shall cast out devils. But in 2021, instead of casting the devil out, many people are inviting the devil in. Do you believe? Then you ought to drive the devil out of your life and out of your circumstances. Anything having to do with the occult or witchcraft has no right, no place in a Christian home. So you got to get, you got to get rid of all of it. You shouldn't be putting your, hor your daily horoscope on Facebook. If someone asked me what my sign is, I would have no idea what they're talking about. That has nothing to do with me. We ought to get whatever is of the devil out of our lives, out of our circumstances. And if you have children or preteens or teenagers, one of the greatest devices of the devil is all this technology. So you have to police it. You have to monitor it. Monitor it. You got to pretend like you're the FBI or the CIA or the National Security Agency in your house. You got to know everything being done, every app being used, every website being visited. And there's this line out there in the culture that, you know, well, they're their own person and they have their rights. If you're paying the bills, then you're in charge and you're responsible for what's going on in your home and your family, and on every device you're paying for. Amen. Amen. So, you know, you just got to decide you're going to enforce the rules. So in my name, they'll cast out devils. And if we believe, that's what we ought to be doing, casting him out of our lives and out of our circumstances. In my name, they'll speak with new tongues. As, as we believe at Faith Christian Center, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. Miracles are for today. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. In my name, they'll take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And what Jesus was dealing with is the fact that when we're about what is right and we're about what is true, as he said elsewhere, no harm shall befall us. When we're about the business of the king, when we're about kingdom business, no harm will come near us. My father shared a few Sunday mornings ago how in, on the mission field, and living in Africa, there were times where he and my mom ate some things that were still alive and still moving on the plate. But he said that in serving God, he's never once gotten sick. In serving God, he's never once got food poisoning, doing the king's business. This is not licensed by Jesus to go do some crazy thing and to believe God for his protection. Amen. You know, I know there are parts of the country up in the hills, people doing crazy things in the name of the Lord. That's not what this is about. An example is in the life of the Apostle Paul. He was on his way to Rome as a prisoner of Rome, and they were shipwrecked on the island of Malta. It, it was a miracle that they survived. It was God's hand of protection upon the Apostle Paul's life. They were gathering sticks to make a fire, and a venomous serpent came out of the, the, the wood and bit the Apostle Paul. And the islanders, they knew the kind of snake. They knew he was a dead man. Yet God did a miracle and he lived. And then in him ministering to an official on the island who was healed, there was revival on that island. That's what Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 16. It's what he said elsewhere, that he has given us all authority and nothing will harm us. Say nothing. nothing. Say nothing will harm us. But notice, like in the Apostle Paul's life, it's as we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. You go to places you shouldn't be, to hang out with people you shouldn't hang out with, to do things you shouldn't do, 
you, you have no guarantee that God's hand of protection is going to be upon you. And I know that's tough, but it's my job to tell you the truth. So Jesus was talking about that as they went out in ministry, his hand of protection would be upon them. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So if we believe, we ought to pray for the sick. If we believe, we ought to pray for those who are facing a physical challenge in their bodies. If we believe, we ought to lay hands on the sick. I went to seminary at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. And they, on healing, they have a typical, particular, denominational perspective that can be kind of negative. You know, they would, they would say things like, well, God heals, but if you get healed, it's because you're lucky or it's the will of God. He healing is a benefit of what Jesus did for us. And God's will, just as much as we be saved, his will is that we be healed and walk in divine health. Healing is for today. Miracles are for today. Divine health is for today. But when I was in seminary in the doctoral program, despite their uh, negative perspective, I remember it was one of my last classes sitting in doctoral class with maybe 10 or 11 students. And my professor, wonderful man, kind, gracious, he said, young man, I, I know what most of your perspective is. He didn't know mine. But he said, the Bible tells us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And he said, the Bible says in James chapter 5, when there are sick and needy among us, to call for the elders of the church, to anoint them with oil, and to pray the prayer of faith. And he said to us, sitting there, he said, young men, regardless of this or that experience, regardless of what you are may think, regardless of what you were taught growing up, the Bible tells us to do these things, so we're to do these things. And I remember sitting there being amazed that he, in a Baptist seminary, told us to pray for the sick. I remember when I was a student at TCU, the undergraduate program, they encouraged us in the religion department to visit other faith groups. And so I wanted to choose something close to what we believe. And so I took Jessica. We went to a synagogue in Fort Worth. And I was amazed by a lot of things. But one of the things that amazed me was that night we went, the rabbi laid hands on the sick and prayed for the sick. And I thought, how interesting that when the New Testament is so clear that as Christians we're to pray for the sick and that ministers of the gospel are to pray, are to pray for the sick, there are many ministers out there and they won't do it. And yet, here in a synagogue, a Jewish rabbi is praying for the sick. It amazed me. So what did Jesus tell us? Them that believe in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So he has delegated his authority to us. So we're to walk in the authority that we have in Christ. When someone's a new believer, you know, as they're, they're learning about the things of God, when there's a challenge, when there's a, a situation, their immediate response might be, I got to send an email, I got to send a text, I got to make a phone call, I need to get someone else to pray for me. I need to get the pastor or the youth minister or someone at the church to pray for me but we are all, every believer is seated together with Christ in the heavenly realms. And his authority has been delegated to every believer so you can pray the prayer of faith. You can speak in the name of Jesus. You can drive the devil out. You can lay hands on a sick child, your sick child, and you can say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, be made well, and you can see God back up his word. Go to Mark 16 after he gave him the commission, 
It says that God worked with them, confirming his word. God always confirms his word. And that's why we teach, we walk by faith, we walk by the word, not by sight, amen. And what, are, what has the emphasis been? Delegated authority. It's not about how you feel when you pray. It's not about how emotional you are when you pray. It's not about whether you feel this or that. When we pray in the name of Jesus, based on the word of God, we'll get results every time. When we speak to circumstances in the name of Jesus, based on the word of God, we'll get results every time. In Christ Jesus, you're a winner. You may not even know it. And you have divine privileges you may not even know about. And maybe you have been living below your privileges. One of our great joys, all of our children are a great joy, but they're each unique. They're each different. And one of the things about, I can say about Michaela, is she, she has no problem living at the level of her privileges. She doesn't feel bad about it. She doesn't lament it. She never, she never acts or talks as if something is too good for her. And so that's how we need to be in Christ Jesus. We need to know the privileges that we have in the family of God and not be ashamed about it, not be embarrassed about it, and walk in the light of it. Let's end with Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1. This is after the Faith Hall of Fame. The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Say everything. And the example is running in an Olympic race. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. At 9 a.m., my father said it so wonderfully that the sin that entangles could be something different in everyone's life. The things hindering you, the things holding you back, the besetting sins in your life, the things that you have worked to overcome. Let us throw off everything. Say everything. Everything, and I like to add this in, in every one. Because some people are a hindrance. Some people are a hindrance to living a righteous life. Some people are a hindrance to you staying focused. Some people are a hindrance to you staying focused on your family and your assignment and your career and your purpose. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down. See, that, that's that picture of victory. He fulfilled his assignment. He did what his father asked him to do. He did the work that he did, giving his life, dying on the cross. He did that on our behalf, and he sat down. That is the picture of victory. That is the picture of the work being done. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Tell your neighbor, say, don't grow weary. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't lose heart. See, we, we have authority in Christ Jesus. And whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, you can exercise the authority that you have in Christ and you can see the circumstance, the situation change. But to do that, to walk in that, you may have to throw off some things. You may have to get some things and some people out of your life. 
You may have to get rid of the sins or the things that have led to temptation that are entangling you in your life. To walk in victory, you may have to separate yourself from wrong friends and wrong associations. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean you're not walking in love, but you shouldn't let anyone bring you down. You shouldn't let anyone open the door to temptation in your life. And so, you know, you might have to get on Facebook and unfriend some people from the past. You might have heard my father tell the story about how a, year, a long time ago, there was a newly married couple, but the wife was unhappy. And one of the reasons she was unhappy is because her husband called his former girlfriend every night. See, that, that's, not, that's wrong, that's inappropriate, that's going to cause, say, trouble. trouble. So you got to throw some things off. To walk in the blessing of the Lord, to have what God says you ought to have, to live a blessed life, you're going to have to throw some things off. You might have to throw some people off. Amen. And not just social media, real life too. You've got to unfriend those that are hindering you and holding you back. Doesn't mean you don't love them, but you let them know, look, I'm not going to do that with you. I'm not going to walk down that road with you. I'm not going to tell you this is okay and that is okay. But you know where I stand. So when you're ready to do what's right, when you're ready to live for God, you can come find me and I'll tell you the way. And I'll show you the way. To walk in victory, you might have to change where you hang out. To walk in victory, you might have to make changes in your life to be a success, not a failure. Pastor's Guys Night message was so great on small tweaks and the small tweaks that'll take you to greater success. It's on the app. Listen to it if you haven't heard it already. To walk in victory, you got to throw off everything. Say everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Say, I'm free in Christ. Say, I have the victory in Christ. You can live a life of victory. You can live a life of freedom. You can have victory over whatever has troubled you over whatever has hindered you, over whatever has held you back. You have the authority in Christ Jesus. You have to just walk in the authority that has been delegated to you. So the first thing we must confess is who we are in Christ, and the second thing we must confess is where we are in Christ. Say, I have been crucified with Christ. Say, I have died with Christ. Say, I have been raised with Christ. Say, I have ascended with Christ. So walk in, walk in the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817 561 3400 or send an email to info at Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, you walk by faith, not by sight.